Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome. It is a joy to be with you today, and we are going to be talking archetypes. Archetypes are a subject that have gone back a long time, and many times individuals will center in onto an archetype to support them in reaching a certain place, a certain goal, or mustering up the kind of energy and enthusiasm and expression that they require to be in the world in a different way. But what we don't often realize is that archetypes can have a light and a shadow side, that archetypes are something that we are here not only to fake it till we make it, but to really ground inside and discover that aspect within us so that it is truly embodied. But how do we do that? My guest today is going to help to illustrate how and why we would do that, and particularly around some of the feminine archetypes. Mara Branscombe is a yoga and meditation teacher, writer, mother, artist, ceremonialist, and spiritual coach who finds great joy in leading others along the path of self-transformation. She is passionate about weaving the art of mindfulness, self-care, mind-body practices, and earth-based rituals into her offerings. She's a regular contributor to Spirituality and Health magazine, Gaia and Wonderlust, and she is the author of two books, Ritual as Remedy and Sage Huntress Lover Queen, which we are going to be talking about today. She is from my birthplace, Vancouver, Canada, and it is a beautiful book. I'd like to start the show off first simply sharing the introduction to her book where she evokes the divine feminine way, revealing the archetypes. Inside the quiet company of your beloved self, count your blessings. Untangle the weight of worldly complexities long enough to breathe. And deeply, like the visionary on her soul-retrieving journey, gather the architecture inside your universal metamorphosis. We are building now. There is momentum. No longer run from the guilty, shamed, buried deep, dark secrets. Rather, let them bubble up your spine and spill like forgotten sacred texts out of your mouth. Be a channel for the mythic night sky. The moon's revolution pulsates within. Accept the invitation to be a child of this miraculous earth's wild soul. Be maiden, mother, sage, huntress, lover, mystic, queen. You are of this ancient composition. The homecoming is your evolution. So what would happen if you greeted every day of your life as creative, intentional, and ceremonial adventure? What a beautiful poem and question to begin her book with. Again, we are talking about her new book, Sage, Huntress, Lover, Queen. Welcome, Mara, to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you for having me. And it was so lovely to hear you recite that poem and blessing. Thank you. 
Well, it's a beautiful way to begin the book and to introduce individuals to aspects of themselves that are, I'm going to say, already awake in some way, because I have in my own life discovered that our multidimensional experience means that we have the light and the shadow always expressing. It's based on where we are looking through and expressing from. And so I think this is an important conversation, and I love how you weave through the book both the light and the shadow aspects of the archetypes, because so often individuals are looking for what they consider the light aspect or the the doing, the uh, more aggressive expressing aspect of an archetype and not considering how they might be expressing uh, a lower vibration of that same archetype. Absolutely. I love that you're bringing this forward and that, you know, once we start to go there and recognize and honor and become more and more aware of our own shadow, we become more compassionate human beings, not only for ourselves, but we get to have compassion for others because we can recognize the shadow playing out and we can take it less personally, in fact. That's such an important piece because I think people get too personally attached to not having a shadow or if they have a shadow sometimes even that can become such an attachment to continuously uh, focusing on working on that that they lose sight of the light that also exists can you share a little opening to the wisdom inside of feminine archetypes and especially for now why these specific seven archetypes you feel are important for women Yes. So would you like me to give you an example of one archetype when in its essence and in its shadow, for example? However you'd like to go. Okay. So let's let's unpack this a little bit. Um, you know, I'm going to choose the huntress in this moment. And the huntress in, in her full power is the energy of the embodied warrior. And the huntress is often the, the activist, the one that, you know, is passionately, um, you know, becoming an entrepreneur or um, someone who really believes in their cause and they follow through. And now the shadow of the huntress is burnout, over-identification with the masculine, in fact, and this constant striving, which hardens one and pulls one away, in fact, from the essence of the true huntress, which is to be Um, powerful and soft and graceful and clear all at once. You know, I think in our world of empowering ourselves as women, and if we look back to the feminist movement and all the way forward, from my witnessing eye, it seems as if there's a large degree of, of women that have become so masculine, that have really leaned into so much doing and so much busying Mm -hmm. and overworking or shouldering the burdens of too much. And yet it seems to be something that goes largely unconscious. And I'm often even more surprised when it is uh, occurring within even our own spiritual community because it becomes more about the agenda or the drive or the attainment or the business or the money or the clients or the different things that women think that they have to attain 
Mm-hmm. Can you speak to the huntress and to that issue that is current uh, so that that is recalibrated for for women? Yes, and here's one way to really, um, for all the listeners, for myself on a daily basis, I ask myself, what systems am I feeding that I no longer believe in or want to be a part of? For example, capitalist, patriarchal, culture, that if I'm playing that game of hustle and never becoming still enough to to recalibrate my own system, I am actually feeding that paradigm that I actually no longer believe in, nor do I want to be a part of. Yet, it it takes a, an awareness to get there. We can become so over-identified with the masculine or with this culture that we have to prove ourselves, prove our worth, be the best, um, do it all. As women, you know, we, we're we incredible. <laughs> Our capacity is incredible. Um, or whatever gender you identify as or whatever lens you're looking through, just because we have that much capacity doesn't mean it has to be at 100% all the time. And what do you do to take it down and recalibrate? your system. And so, and especially in the wellness industry, and we know this, and yet it it is uh, visible, and I am also witness to that, that especially when we're entrepreneurs or we're carving our own path in this way, um, the tendency to do it all is probably larger than not. And so it, it really is about um, pausing listening, having a daily meditation practice is essential to untangle oneself from the unconscious feeding or the conscious feeding of systems and places that we no longer actually need to be a part of. I love how you touched on the fact that women are so capable we really can take on so much and accomplish a lot. We tend to be incredible multitaskers. I know you're a mom, you're an author, you're a ceremonialist. You you do a lot of things for a lot of people. And I think most women, when we get to this place of realizing, well, I can get this done and that done and all of these things and run a household and a family at the same time, we lose sight of that part of us that needs the cycles and the rhythms, that needs the rest, that needs Mm -hmm. some of the things that do actually help us remember who we are. I think one of the big issues is this uh, drive for significance that exists in our Western world where we've been kind of bred to, to try to be significant, to try to save, to try to go out there and help people in so many ways. Mm -hmm. But, that significance to me, there's a flip side, and it's almost as if in trying to be seen, we're missing who we really need to see, which is ourselves. So how does someone embody all seven archetypes at the same time, or are these stages? Mm-hmm. Great question. And so what I'll do is I'll just name the seven archetypes that I'm working with, and then I'll talk a little bit about, you know, how we can access them all. And one thing I'll say before that is, this could be helpful, is that um, archetypes are not stereotypes. Archetypes are codes, they're frequencies, they're 
their formulas, their alchemical in a way. They're both conscious and unconscious. And when we become aware of them, we get to understand more about ourselves. It's definitely a mirror for us. So um, I am working with the maiden, the mother, the sage, the huntress, the lover, the mystic, the queen. And I bring in the weaver at the end of the book as a way to embody all of the archetypes that the weaver lives in all of us. And so it is that at certain times and cycles of your life, you will identify more and connect more with a specific archetype. Um, and then once that work is kind of embodied within you, let's say the sage, the sage is the, the wise elder within us. The sage is the, has the intuitive capacity. The sage is the healer. And, you know, so uh, some of us just coming, coming into our full, um, you know, resonance of who we are, the truth of who we are. I find often a lot of us will resonate with that sage and in, in, also in the spiritual kind of community or the mystic. And yet we are not limited to that at all. And so then, you know, once that sage becomes, oh yeah, I've got that elder energy in me now. I'm no longer pushing away aging. I'm actually merging with this rite of passage, which is maturation. I love my wrinkles. I love my lines. I love my changing body. That kind of energy, right? So that's where the archetypes really come into their power. So if I've worked with the sage and I've, you know, I've embodied her, I recently turned 50. So I've definitely just been really working with this healthy aging. How can I empower aging to myself? And, and so then, you know, maybe now I'm working, let's say with the lover and a deeper form of love, a deeper form of self-love, a, a form of love that I see as, you know, the seasons shift, as the moon rises, as the stars glimmer, um, more of a cosmic kind of love that brings great meaning to one's daily existence. That's beautiful. And I love how in the book you also talk about each of these archetypes in connection to an element, such as mother mm -hmm. connected to the earth and sage mm -hmm. connected to water. And yes. That, that reminder of those elements, how do you guide individuals in reconnecting with those elements within and threading that to the archetype? Mm -hmm. Well, that's an interesting question. And first of all, as a ceremonialist, when I hold circle, sacred circle, and I do private healing sessions, I will call forward um, the elements based on the pagan wheel of the year. Um, I'm English, um, Irish, Scottish, I, so I've been working with the, the Celtic pagan wheel of the year for, for many, many moons. And so what happens when I, when I call forward those elements in those directions is it, it gives us an anchor right away. It allows us to connect with something that's larger than our ego or larger than, you know, current life happenings. It reminds us, oh yes, we are of that nature. We are of water, earth, air, fire, and ether. And so when, when I'm guiding, you know, people through the, the archetypal wisdom, it can be so um, transformative, for example, working with the mother and the mother meaning the mother of how you mother self not necessarily children. So I really want to make that clear that I, I'm working with all, you know, men, women, whatever gender you identify by. How do you care for yourself deeply? 
how do you mother yourself deeply? And so the mother's connected to the earth. So when we start to work with mother, we remind ourselves, yes, I can be rooted. I can access calm even when I'm in chaos. I can remind myself that I'm blossoming at times and then I'm drawing in at times to recalibrate my system. So there's so many beautiful metaphors that I feel are quite palpable and digestible to work with in any given moment. It appears that particularly women, we are this intersection of cosmic force and earth and ground of the seasons, the cycles, the rhythms, the planets, the mm -hmm. elements that we become this intersection. And yet there's a part of us that gets caught up in certain narratives. And I love how through the book you guide women or guide men and women because both can read this book through tracking their narrative mm -hmm. why is it important to track our narrative first of all i want to say thank you for bringing that intersection of cosmic force forward that we can all be that that is powerful and that is us when we've worked through our narratives when we haven't worked through for example the stories that you know, we were passed down, the, the behaviors, the patterns, ancestral patterns, known or unknown, karmic patterns. Sometimes we don't even know why that, you know, we continue to have this story that we are not worthy of love. Yet that is our work in this lifetime. And that's why it is so important that if I'm going to continue to carry around the story that I am not worthy of love, I am going to bring that into every relationship that I encounter. And that is going to inform the entire trajectory of my life. Yet if I rise to that and I hold it as my medicine for this lifetime and do the work and put the work in receiving support, counselors, therapists, healers, doing the personal work, showing up for the meditation daily, then I will begin to morph that story and I will begin to know myself deeper. And that is, it's so worth it. Putting the work in is so worth it. And this is almost a, a braiding of both mind work and heart work to, to discern these narratives and understand how they are affecting our inner and outer world. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's a wonderful way to put it because we are, Everything is connected, mind, body, the science is there now. And so, you know, we need to do the mind work and the physical work. And that's where the embodiment practices come through in all of my work and in the books where I'll give meditations, I'll give creative um, adventures, movement patterns, these kinds of things to also encourage the body to release the narrative that it may be holding. I've found that myself in the deconditioning process because we do carry those ancestral memories even if we don't remember them and yet somehow the body knows. And I love a line that you have in the book where you say, heart work is to discern the true motivation behind each task. And I would, I would believe that that narrative is critical in understanding when it comes to that motivation because we're either being driven by those 
past childhood experiences or patterns, and and that will be conscious or unconscious. Talk a little bit more about the motivations behind different tasks. Mm-hmm. So in any given moment, you know, you can ask yourself, what is true in this moment? So that helps us get to the core of, of the motivation. What is true in this moment? Because, you know, a lot of times we'll go into that fight or flight and that reactivity mode. For example, in our intimate relationships or our family relationships, we will, we will uh, experience this and witness this. And it's a great way to practice. And so you can ask yourself before you say something reactionary or defensive, because of course you have to, you know, you want to prove your, your opinion or, you know, you can even track that back. So when I do that, I go, oh, I can see myself as a little girl standing there trying to, you know, defend my position in my family because I was so passionate about what was true for me in that moment. So I carry that, you know, that's part of my work. I carry that forward and I can see when it arises. And of course, I can't, you know, I don't always catch it in the moment, but the work is, you know, forgiveness. The work is compassion. And the work is really to get curious about, and journaling is a great way to um, to do that. You can really unpack situations. Well, when I had that, you know, I was in that heated moment with a colleague um, and I felt like I, you know, I had to really uh, do this or that. And, and then you can just kind of take this scan back to other times in your life. When else did you feel that way? Is there a pattern there? Um, and so, you know, this is kind of some of the darker, ugly, not pretty work that um, we get a chance to do because we have we have the knowledge we have the skill we it, it is right here for us if we are open to it it's it's not always pretty and not always easy but it is some of the richest work that we can do i want to go back to something you said when you were speaking about the mother and how that is about mothering ourselves and we do live in a very outwardly focused world So when it comes to these archetypes, is the first place always to go inside before we go out? I would say yes. And this is why, is that we have and can empower guidance from within. And then we can trust that we are being supported from external forces through the internal guidance. And therefore, we are supported in both. And the tendency also with the over-identification of the masculine or the culture that we've lived in, the culture that has existed, you know, for hundreds of years, is that it's that reaching out in a way. It's that not trusting that internal voice, you know. And, and so this is really important to hold sacred, in fact, is that deep down we know and we have to practice listening. And there's, there can tend to be this impulsiveness or this reaction to, uh, to quickly go back out after coming in. Mm-hmm. How do you discern the, when it is to actually follow the impulse to go back out? 
when there's not a backstory attached to it or when there's not a motivation that I know is um, attention-seeking behavior. So that's our intuitive nature and power is, you know, your intuition will come forward when there's not a backstory attached to it. By that I mean when there's not a... Um, I'm going to do this because, oh, I know I'm going to, you know, get the attention or the, the praise from that person or community. But it, it, it has to be like almost like it's a golden thread. That golden thread, the spark of the idea, that drawing in, that resonance, the calm, the quiet, the, the surge of love or passion that and it's, it's all an experiment. It's a play, you know, it's, 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 it's also we can, open it it to be playful not not so serious but but there is that feeling and i think we can all attest to that and probably have all experienced that where your intuition when it comes to you it feels good it doesn't come with an attachment or a backstory or even a final outcome it just is what it is and then that's when we go back out and perhaps explore how we offer that to the greater good of humanity or to our, the greater good of our own personal life. And there's also the flip side of that where we end up in a shadow feminine space where it's uh, too hidden, it's too quiet, it's suppressed, repressed, as opposed mm-hmm. to standing in that mm-hmm. middle ground where there's an equivalent masculine and feminine. What what would you say to inspire the action to move that more into balance? I would say that your work matters. Your voice matters. We need your creative and passionate expressions out in the world for the greater good of humanity. I've coached a lot of folks on this, and a lot of times it is that fear of, you know, judgment or perfectionist tendencies, which, you know, these are all shadows of the the feminine archetypes that I bring forward, some really core stuff that we fear how our expression will be received out into the world because there's work to be done there that at one point as a child we did that and we got diminished somehow. And so it's now about learning how to be free with it and and let's let's let go of everyone else's judgment. It doesn't matter. Let's let go of, you know, it needing to be perfect. Actually, let's go for like messy, imperfect, a little more wild, a little more rugged like mother earth herself. And that yeah, that's what I would encourage. Feed the center of your universe with a steady magnetic attention. Pay attention long enough and you will see that this is where the magic dwells. There will always be challenges, change, and the unknown. And yet, the sun continues to bless you through it all. Build your capacity to maneuver life's wild rides. From the darkest nights to the brightest days, feel the center of your universe with gold. This is from Mar Branscombe's book, Sage Huntress Lover Queen, I invite you to go to her website, marabranscombe.com. You can find that link in the show notes. And you may also want to pay particular attention 
to the Radiant Soul Retreat at the Haramara Resort, March 2nd through 9th. It's coming up in 2024. And she also conducts ongoing moon ceremonies and soul work courses. And those are all available on her site. Again, my guest today is Mara Branscombe, and I invite you to visit her website and pick up her books, Ritual as Remedy and Sage Huntress Lover Queen. We'll be right back after these messages. America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Before we get back to my wonderful guest and her incredible book, Sage Huntress, Lover Queen, I want to mention my brand new multidimensional trilogy. It is a set of oracles, and these are books that you keep by your bedside while you're reading other things. Simply open a book or each one every single day, and you will be given a nugget that is very, very powerful. Living the seven blessings of human experience is personhood. It is the identity. It is the part of us that is walking through the world. 
somewhat conscious, mostly unconscious, even though we want to believe we are conscious, being the seven illusions that derail personal power, purpose, and peace has to do with seven illusions that we have all bought into, and we don't realize how these illusions operate in our lives. We are not as well tapped into how these come together to actually create the collective landscape that we experience and the power that we each have in embracing the shadow, the animal, the monster, and even the demon, so that we not only shift ourselves, but we become a sacred activist for the world. And finally, knowing the seven human expressions of grace. This is a book to individuals touch their humanity. We think we have grasped our humanity, or we believe that humanity is some larger collective that's out there. But have we really connected to our true humanity? That is the grace we must give ourselves. So I hope you'll pick up my trilogy as well when you order Mara Branscombe's book, Sage, Huntress, Lover, and Queen. They will be wonderful adjuncts to each other. You can go to her website, marabranscombe.com. That link is in the show description. Again, check out her retreat that's coming up March 2nd through 9th. And also, you might want to look up her ongoing moon ceremonies and soul work courses. All of those are available on her website. To Mother Thyself is a great body of work, tending the hearth of the heart, ensuring nourishment is provided, rhythms are followed, prayers are created, memories are collected, stars caught, seeds planted, hardships endured, and challenges overcome, seedling to old growth, sun to moon, sea to shore, wolf to pup, mother to child, you to you. This is me mothering myself awake with the magic and the mystery that makes this earth stir awake. This is from Mara's book, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy a lot of the beautiful poetic pieces that are in it, as well as the different meditations, rituals, journaling prompts, and uh, ways that you can track your narrative so that you can get to the subtle of what might be holding you back. Welcome back, Mara. I want to talk about a couple of things that were mentioned in the last segment. One of those had to do with circles, and I want you to express how you feel uh, the power of circles or women coming together in circles supports their archetypes in uh, being more empowered Mm-hmm. Gathering, talking, sharing a meal, um, sharing prayers, sharing uh, the hard times, all of this is um, so important, more important than we know. And every time I gather in circle, I am struck that there is a powerful healing that takes place. And I want to encourage the listeners to um, somehow, you know, if, if this does speak to you next full moon or new moon, or even, even a dinner party can be made intentional simply by, you know, lighting candles and each person going around and sharing their gratitudes. Um, so this, all of a sudden, what becomes, you know, the ordinary becomes the sacred by the way we gather. I think ceremony is so integral, especially in these days and times, and more so because our younger generations need to see that type of life. It, it's almost as it has slipped slowly and steadily away from 
the indigenous times and when women gathered under the red tent and mm -hmm. even when women were activists, you know, moving toward a movement, there's something that's slowly being lost by not letting our younger generations see us gather in those ways, share vulnerably and, and share in ceremony. Talk about the power of ceremony. The power of ceremony, what it does is it lands us in real time. And suddenly, you know, when we're gathering intentionally, the candle is lit, the, the tea is served, the, the feeling of being supported, not only by, you know, who you are with, but by a greater force, actually, it comes forward. And it allows us to soften our guard, perhaps, and, and actually feel that we are connected to something greater and deeper. And it, it, it can bring great meaning. It can go from feeling alone and, and disconnected to a feeling of, of being connected um, and moving in a direction that is that has greater um, spiritual meaning and part of our, our soul is, I believe our souls are thirsty for this. They're hungry for this right now. And it is that we can create these circles, even ourselves. And, and I think that, you know, part of my work is also to empower people that, yes, they can, they can go and craft, um, these intentional, um, ways and bring greater meaning to their lives. The other word that I want to go back to from the previous segment was the word embodiment. I think that there are certain words that have become cliche or clickish in in their expression and they've lost some of their true depth of meaning as to what they represent and the power they have to increase our vibration and our frequency or as you said even our own inner connection so that we can connect to those that are outside can you speak a little more to what embodiment means to you uh as as a woman and then also what embodiment really means when we're looking at archetypes embodiment means to me that the the rulers in the mind <laughs> the tricky mind is not running the show and that we one can have a feeling of being more um, centered within oneself almost as if the consciousness of a busy mind becomes more um spacious and it's as if we are inhabiting from the center of our body and and that might seem esoteric um, but i'll give an example in my morning meditation what i my intention every morning i meditate and it's non-negotiable and sometimes it's five minutes and sometimes it's 30 but it happens and i ask for um neutrality i in the center of my body i ask for um a feeling of staying connected at the center of my body and just and i just that's it and then i listen i feel i breathe into that area then i have all these other things i do so that to me is becoming embodied is that we you know, we're, we, we're many, so many things are overthought. We're overthinking. We're, we're calculating. We're scrolling where everything is happening up there in the brain at a rapid rate. And so what are you doing to consciously say, Hey, Hey, beautiful center of my body. What's going on? How can I listen? How can I connect? So that translates then if I'm going to bring that arcade over to the archetypes, <laughs> then the archetypes 
I believe, and this is how I framed it in the book and how I felt it in my own body, they all have the potential to live at the center of our body. So it's almost like this sphere or this woven sphere of, um, you could use whatever color. I use the color of the golden sun. And that all archetypes, we they can all live within us. And that whenever we need support and the intelligence of that archetype, we can, we can bring it forward because we've planted the seed that it all lives within us and that it isn't far-reaching, in fact. It's right here for us. You speak about this in the book. You, you talk about the pillars of creativity and what you've described as your practice even follows those pillars of creativity, which are intention, presence, compassion, action, and accountability. And I think that that's something that we have to really cultivate and value ourselves enough to even be worthy of our own time. I think so often because of the busy world, we forget that our presence is enough, that we as women are not required to do anything, that it is our presence and that that creativity will shoot out of that presence. But oftentimes that level of presence brings about a lot of the emotions that we wanted to deny or be distracted from or the memories or the feelings that have been deeply embedded in our our body. I love how you talk within the huntress about service and making medicine out of the pain and hardship that we have. And right now in our world, that seems more important than ever. Thank you for bringing that all forward. The presence. How would you guide women to staying so present to their pain, their hardship, their grief, their sadness, their envy, their uh, anger, all of those things that will writhe right up their spine, as you say? It is um, creating enough time in a day to feel, in fact, and then to ask oneself, what am I hiding at this moment? Or, you know, and having that journal standing by is, is such a powerful tool. When you feel that, you know, coming up your spine, when you feel that block in your heart, when you feel that flutter in your stomach of fight or flight, and it's specific to a relationship or, um, you know, social media can bring that forward a lot as well. So it's like, those are all points that we can come back to ourselves and ask what is true in this moment and let's let can i be more curious about why i'm feeling this right now and then write it down or share it with a best friend that holds you in absolute no judgment but full presence or um be and walk in nature with it and you know allow it i consciously i i run in the morning and i i call it my spirit runs and i consciously anything that's coming through me that doesn't feel of a a good vibration i say mother earth i am here i am honoring you um i am i am releasing uh what no longer serves and then i have a tree that i go to that i i sit against i hug i commune with and and it becomes a relationship with nature that is very um generative and i really think that that's such a key we have to move from how we were nurtured into that remembrance of our nature i know that we are 
about to run out of time because you're going to have to leave us a little early on this particular show. So I'd love to close out with a little bit about the lover. And the thing I want to key into is the revolutionary self-acceptance that you talk about. That seems like a very powerful place for not only stepping into one's power, but opening up a geyser of creativity. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit to that radical, revolutionary self-acceptance? Yeah, radical, revolutionary self-acceptance is when we've done the work that we no longer um, push away from our own body, but we enter our body as the temple it is. And I know this is a very challenging concept for many, and it is so worthy of doing the work to um, become supported in your own home, your own vessel, your own temple that you walk around with daily. And so that means that all those times you have judgment about yourself or your body, or you don't like what you see, that that is the work we need to do. If we can merge with that, suddenly fight or flight goes down, nervous system gets regulated, we create um, a magnetic energy from within, we make different choices on what we put into our bodies, um, or also what whose energy comes into our field. It's mind, body, spirit all the way with the body all the way. So I encourage all of us and myself, and that's why doing the meditations and doing the nature work and doing the journaling um, and and healthy aging practices are going to be what we're going to be able to shift this paradigm of over-identification with the masculine and repressing or putting women into this you know, a box of like what is beautiful and what is not. We have we we can be the trailblazers of this. We can reframe this entire story if we choose to at this time in the world. It is your birthright to live in a way that is unapologetically you, wild, free, peaceful, joyous, steady, and spirited all at once. The world is ready for you to express your true feelings and cast your soul gifts far and wide. When you answer the call to dive in and commit to embodying the divine feminine, you have arrived on the healing path of the future. It becomes a lifelong study of compassionate living and authentic loving. Every day becomes both an adventure and a ceremony. This is how dreams come alive. This is from Mara Branscombe's book. Thank you, Mara, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. I know you've got to run your kids to school. And I just want to say I appreciate the depth of which you have shared within your book. Please check her out at marabranscombe.com. Pick up both of her books, Ritual as Remedy and Sage Huntress Lover Queen. And as we let her go, I'm going to share a little more of her work by reading the section on the weaver's work to close out the show. Take care, Mara. Come back to see us. Thank you. The weaver never knows the final creation, yet you begin with a passion that burns as bright as the sun. The poet never knows what words will fall onto the page, yet your calling to express is all-consuming. Singer, dancer, storyteller, sculptor, you just take a giant leap of faith. Catch the fleeting snapshots of shadow to light, the wonder missions, the deep sea dives, the path of spirit up the mountain is rugged. Unravel the threads bound into your artist's spirit. Have courage to sit with the loom, 
weaving the world's complexities until they become answered prayers. Hand to paintbrush, songbirds at dusk, salted ocean tears. Heart shatters into a million pieces, yet somehow the threads find their way home, spinning, looping, braiding. They become intertwined, gifting us with ancient love songs, whole, wild, rugged, and powerful beyond measure. A single strand has the potential to transform the whole world, open, soft, wildly inviting. The womb of the divine feminine births the world awake. It's a beautiful book. I do invite you to check it out and utilize it as a tool for evolving the feminine frequency within you. Whether you're a man or a woman, there are beautiful nuggets within here and wonderful practices to support you on your journey. Again, it is Sage Huntress, Lover Queen. And while you're at it, pick up my own books, my new trilogy, Living, Being, and Knowing. Until next time, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.